0: and gentlemen, right now today I am standing in Albany, Minnesota. (laughs) I am talking with Rich Mayers and Rich has an amazing property full of all sorts of things and his passion is actually antiques. He has been featured in the magazines, the Saturday Evening Post, Farm Collector, as well as Acres, Innovative Country Living. Sounds that, serious, Rich. That's put out by New
1: Holland Magazine. But it's, they're, they're all national magazines. and <laughs> there another person takes the credit for writing them up, but they're almost word for word with what I told them. So it's not, there's not too many people in the United States that know very much about cupolas anymore, I can tell you that. Okay, they,
0: first of all, can you tell me what a cupolo is?
1: The majority of those things were put out like 1875, that's when they started, and they were put on top of barns in order to take the moisture out of the hay that was put up there. you got to remember, there was no such a thing as alfalfa in those days. The only thing that they raised for farms at that time was like sweet clover, uh, Timothy, That kind of stuff. Everything had a really thick stem on it and at that time they still thought the majority of the hay they could haul in was the best rather than the quality of the hay. They didn't have crimpers, they didn't have conditioners, they didn't have anything like that. So when they put the hay into the barn, when it fell, they had to spread it all out and then the heat that went into the barn would evaporate the moisture from the hay and it would go up through your cupolas and it worked without any mechanics whatsoever. Everything was done just, the hotter the air got, the more moisture it could hold, and that would naturally rise, go through your cupolas, take the moisture along with it, and new air would come in, which was cold, and less humidity in it, and it would warm up and take more moisture out of the hay, and do the same thing, it was constant. It kept working, and it never caused anybody any trouble. Until they came up with the idea, electricity was easier, we can flip a switch and dry hay, crimp hay, crush hay, and it's not, it's not better.
0: Okay, so you've been collecting these.
1: Well, I've been, I buy and sell, I collect a lot of them, I get probably 50 of them right now. The majority of them are not anywhere near the quality I had 20 years ago. 20 years ago I had much better cupolas than what I do now. And that's the reason because there's so many of your barns that had good cupolas on them don't exist anymore.
0: So would you say that what you collect, the antiques you collect, are things that people use on farms? Is that specifically what you kind of look for?
1: You you mean look?
0: The things that you collect, the antiques you collect? When I
1: first started, almost everything that I collected had to come off the top of a barn. Now it's gone. There, there just plain isn't that much stuff around anymore. So you had to diversify and get into all kinds of different things. I sell lots of anvils. I sell, well, weather vanes, uh, windmill weights, all kinds of stuff. Right there is a perfect example of forge. He said, "There." I just picked that one up two weeks ago.
0: What is that? I don't know what that is
1: they built the <laughs> fire. Hey,
0: Rich, remember, I'm from New Jersey. I don't know <laughs> oh, what the heck that is.
1: One of the very best forges ever made came out of Pennsylvania. And I said, that thing is actually not big enough to do most forge work because the fire isn't big enough for it. So the fire bed. So that thing on the bottom is your blower. When you had to build to intensify the heat, they blew, they turned that blower, blow more air through the charcoal or coke, most of them used coke, and they could heat horseshoes and bend them and fix them and they could build, they could do almost anything with it. A person with a good forge and if he knew what he was doing, a good blacksmith could do just about anything. Okay. He said if he had a good anvil and he had to have some tools with it, your hardies and stuff like that, all of that stuff went together. It was, it's, it's so hard to find now, it's unbelievable.
0: But where did this passion of yours begin? How did you start this?
1: <laughs> I really don't know. I'd have been better off if I'd have become an alcoholic. It's a lot cheaper. <laughs> this is not a cheap sport, I can tell you. There's stuff out there that, that thing, I just sold one, in fact, that was made out of, in Pennsylvania, so $750 for one forge. It was a very good forge but that makes no difference, it's still $750. Those wheels that go along with it, they're actually substitute for wooden wheels, but that's all, that's the way they are. There's things that are cheap now, they said, but uh, if you're looking for stuff, those cupolas over there, I got one cupola back there, I want $3,000 for it. Well, that's a lot of stuff. And I said, we'll take you down there after a while, or maybe now if you wanna go. You wanna
0: walk, we can walk? We can walk Can we talk while we walk?
1: Yeah. This so, is. what
0: kind of what kind of challenges do you have making this type of antique collecting your passion?
1: Well, the first first two cuplos I bought, I went to an auction, and he sold one of them went for eight dollars and one of them went for thirteen dollars. And when I was driving home, I said that guy is crazy to pay that much for a piece of tin. And at that time, I was looking for a field to get into. That nobody else was doing and so I thought what the heck if the things are a hundred years old they qualify as an antique I said why not start buying them and so after that I started buying cupolos and by the time I was finished with it I paid up to $700 for cupolos He says, right there stands one that there's there's no end to them He said they're so damn hard to find now because the fact that there are so few of them they said, I haven't had a good cupola brought in in probably four years now. They said, it just, they're just not around. And the stuff you put in them, by the time you got the weather vanes on top and the lightning rod balls and everything else that go with them, he said, you got a, you got a pretty good bunch of money stuck into it. So,
0: Talk to us about, for those people who are just listening to the interview and can't see it, tell us a little bit about what we're looking at here. Well, I see These
1: first ones here, you can see the pattern. of the. are
0: total here? Yeah. Like eight? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them?
1: Oh, I, yeah, there's probably. That's not even. That the number isn't going to count. I got to look at them over there and here and yeah. back behind yes. the building.
0: You have them scattered about, I see. And yeah. they're big. These copulas are taller than I am. How tall do you think they are?
1: Well, a cupola can go anything from two feet up to 14. Okay. So the one in the back here I'm going to show you is a 13 and a half footer. It's the, the biggest cupola I've ever seen. I've, the two biggest cupola I've ever seen, I own them both, I still own them both.
0: Are you going to sell them?
1: They're for sale. Whether somebody wants to give me that kind of money, I don't know. I'm not going to press them because I know I'll never get them back. This is a this is a different style. That's a Butler cupola made in Minneapolis. The next one is a Lacrosse. That one's made in Lacrosse, Wisconsin. The one on right there, I don't know the name of it, but it's very similar to one that's made out of uh, Fairbowl, Minnesota. There isn't anybody around that knows very much about cupolas. Very little.
0: I didn't know anything about them until today.
1: Well. <laughs> They really stopped manufacturing this cupola when World War II started. And then after the war was over, and then the 50s came in, then they started going with a very cheap reproduction of cupolas that were all exactly the same. You would see, You would never see any design like that. Somebody wrote books on all of the paraphernalia that went on top of a cupola but so far no one has ever written a book on actual cupolas none. I've got a book up there I'll show you some of the stuff that went on top of it. He said there you can pay the lightning rod balls are eight thousand dollars so that's the stuff that I, I ran three balls up to well they were actually pendants which is something we haven't even talked about yet I can show you when we get up there what a pendant is, but I ran three of them at an auction, and don't feel bad, because the auctioneer did not know what they were, (laughs) and he he wanted $10 for a box of six of them, that big, six inches by maybe 10, and he wanted $10 for it, and I started laughing, and then somebody gave him 10, then he went to 25, and then 50, and 100. Then it went 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800, and I hadn't bid yet. I got in at nine, and I ran it up to 3,000 and got bid out of it.
0: Wow, 3,000.
1: And then I went back to the auctioneer, and he said, You didn't have any idea what that was, did you? And he said, No. He said, Why on earth would anyone pay $3,000 for something that big? He said, Because they were worth close to $7,000. I told him when I quit, He says, are you aware that I am out of money? He had no idea. None. And they were worth more than that. There were three of them in there that were worth $1,500 apiece. And two of them were worth $750. And the other one, I don't remember anymore what it was, but we had close to $8,000 worth of stuff in there. If you type in weather vane or you type in lightning rod ball, the only name that's going to come up on the computer is mine. So
0: what does that say to you about yourself?
1: (laughs) I really... It's okay.
0: D- it's okay to brag, Rich.
1: No, it's not. <laughs> I really do It's such a shame that there wasn't other people that wanted to get involved in that stuff. It's such a shame. That they, they... Wait till I show you some of the balls up there. They are so gorgeous, it's unbelievable. And nobody does anything with them. There's 580 different kinds of lightning rod balls.
0: So, so if people want to take what they love and begin collecting it. What do you think they should see for themselves? What how has your life changed since you started collecting things that that you love like this?
1: Well <laughs> I get phone calls. In fact I was on phone last night with a guy from Appleton, Minnesota, I think it was. Northern Southern South with Mankato. And he didn't know anything about anything. And his he actually lived about 80 miles away from the barn that was going to be torn down, and he wanted to know what that stuff was worth, if it was worth keeping. I said, are you crazy? Of course it's worth keeping. Everything is worth salvaging. So I keep the Bible with me at all times. Mm
0: -hmm. But for people, maybe their interest is collecting a different type of antique. How can they start doing this for themselves?
1: Well, you gotta, there isn't anything, there's so many different kinds of antiques out Mm -hmm. there, you're gonna have to come up with something that you're really interested in before you enter a field of any sort. Because once you get, just buying the cheap run of the mill stuff isn't gonna make you any money. You're gonna have to find some stuff that's being sold for less money than what it's worth because they don't know what it is. Yeah, so So it,
0: it sounds like you need to get knowledgeable. You need to be really knowledgeable so you know what you're looking at.
1: You. Uh, that's, what, 80 pages? I can tell you almost every figure in there. You have to know it. You have to.
0: So what kind of final advice would you give anybody who wants who wants to create a passion like yours? Become an alcoholic. Become an alcoholic is your advice. <laughs> Stay off.
1: <out. laughs> no, this is, no. If they like that kind of stuff, it has to be a passion. If you're not going to have a passion for it, forget it. The money is not going to pay for it. It's not. It's not there anymore. Antiques have gone down so bad. The young people are, they're not interested in buying antique. If they want to buy something, they'll run uptown and buy a new table or do whatever. They don't want to get into antiques. And I said, it's really tough business right now.
0: Do you have a way for people to contact you in case they're interested? Oh, yeah. in-
1: I get calls from I get calls from California, New York.
0: Do you want to share your telephone number with us? Oh,
1: I don't care. Good. Sure.
0: Okay, what is it?
1: 320 333 2526. Okay, great. Yep. Yeah. If you want to see some lightning rod balls, I got a whole mess of them. Okay. Okay. Here yeah. we go up Let's to the barn. Out. Let me do the shed. These are the that book that I just showed you.
0: Wow. Um,
1: these are some of the balls that Actually, we're on barns that I took down. Wow. This is a cobalt mercury. It's called worth 700.
0: Motivate me blue.
1: If that, the sleeve that's inside of there, if mercury gets air into it, it starts to turn black like a mirror. So you have to have a clothes. That's why this one is way cheaper than what a good mercury ball would be way worn worth way more than that. I want to grab some of these and take them out. This actually started out as a pure white so did this one. Wow. This one was clear and this one is white when they started. But there's magnesium in the glass and you end up with sun color amethyst on them. That's the only ball that if it's out long enough, it actually will turn to a black. It gets black, it doesn't, it doesn't stay that lilac color. Here's a ball made in Iowa, called a Hawkeye.
0: Oh, called a Hawkeye, we just came yep. from Iowa, my husband's family this thing is from comes there. In it's the Hawkeye State? Yep,
1: yeah. it comes in probably six different colors, the white being the cheapest and the the most common. Your cobalts, and your uh, oxblood red are far more expensive. Now here's a ball that started out as an amber, and as it gets darker, it turns to a root beer color. That can double and triple the value of the ball because it gets so dark, it could easily be worth, oh, I think 450 is the most I ever sold one for.
0: Now where do people put these on their barns?
1: that That's really up to them. Some of them are using them in their houses now, like around fireplaces and stuff. Some of them do a lot of them. Put them in the gardens. Uh, here's a, it's up to them. It's called a DS, 10 sided. Here, that's a freak about them. He said, if you can find one that doesn't have these numbers on it, see that? Yep. If it doesn't have that, it or it's probably six times as much as what it is this way. So you keep looking, and I've never found one. That's probably why they're so much more expensive. But they're there. They're out there. Somebody's, somebody's got them.
0: Rich, I can't help but see your passion around oh, each, a, each
1: of these. Drive you nuts. You're just plain that. And then you drive past people. If you go toward Albany this way, there's a guy that's got two cupolos, and three lightning rod rods with three red balls on them and one side of the barn just kicked out and everything is hanging there and there's nine other people I think it is that are part owner in that farm. You're never ever gonna get permission to go out there and take that stuff down. It's not possible. They're gonna leave it until the whole barn collapses on top of everything and history is over. It's done.
0: Well, thank you so much, though. Well, you thank are you, welcome. Thank you, Rich. It's been a blast. <laughs> well,
1: five hours from now, you might know a little bit.
0: <laughs> I know a little bit. That's it. Just, is, yeah. I, I think I'm just scratching it's the surface. Unbelievable. Thank you, Rich. Yep. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I have come to be known as the 50 States in 90 Days Lady. A concept that is unfathomable to most. If you would like me to come speak at your event about how to envision, explore, and execute a plan, or how to create a life that is more exciting or more meaningful, you can find me at motivatemepodcast.com. And
1: the world keeps turning and I just keep moving along, along.
0: I keep turning and I just
1: keep moving on